to apologize, you guys, because we're starting a few minutes late and I've got a lot to share with you. Uh, Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio, for those of you who aren't sure where you are right now. This is Lost Arts Radio Live, and this is our Saturday show related to current events. And when you look at current events happening now, it's like things are really ramping up and, and going quickly. In fact, in the last few minutes, um, I really got a lot more information about What's going on with the whole, I mean, I wasn't even going to talk about this, and I'll, I'll jump off it in a minute, but the whole Russia Gate thing that was uh, brought by the uh, globalists and the criminal American media, Western media, and media all over the world uh, to try to block Trump, because they knew he had a lot of flaws, but his problem was he had a good intent, and I know a lot of people think, that's ridiculous, you know, Trump was... Um, one of the bad guys. We, we can talk more about that other times. And it's really not as important as a lot of other issues right now. But I, I still see really clearly that the globalists recognize that Trump really did want to work for the country. He talked about protecting the border, um, bringing jobs back to the cities, which he did. Uh, made the country energy independent. And the people who hate Trump don't want to talk about any of that stuff. You know, and it's true that he made such fatal errors, like handing the country over to a psychopath and uh, giving billions of the people's money or in form of debt to for-profit drug dealers. I mean, that wasn't so good. That was like complicity to mass murder. And I'm not, you know, on one side or the other, I'm not even interested in sides. Um, and I don't hate anybody. I think hating anybody is a big mistake. We just have to see what's true and how we can best use the remaining time that we've got to try to help everybody to be okay and help people to wake up who are mistakenly following very destructive paths if they, if we can. But the reason I brought that up is that, uh, in the last, I guess it was half an hour now, I got more information about the Russiagate development that this guy, special counsel John Durham, that was there under Trump and was supposed to be exposing Russiagate, the nonsense things that were made up against Trump, uh, didn't do it right away, which he really should have done it, you know, quite quickly. Now he's got an indictment out, which is subject to the decisions of uh, the attorney general under Biden. So it may be squashed and media may black it out, may well black it out, but it's indictment against the main guy making up the do- fake dossier to discredit Trump, which was all lies. And it's out in the open now, and it could lead to the whole, exposing the whole conspiracy uh, back to Hillary Clinton and her bosses. Very significant, extremely good sign, even if it does get squashed. Um, and just a reminder that there are still some good people that do exist in the government. It doesn't mean they make every right decision. What it means is their motive is good. They're not trying to, you know, sell out for money or destroy the world to please their New World Order bosses. There are some good people who care about humanity, which is very encouraging. We have a lot of work to do, though. I'd say um, darkness is accelerating, running full speed on a program they've been working on for thousands of years. And um, I've traced it back at least 15,000, maybe 20,000 years. It's They're patient. They're intergenerational in their plans, and they think they're in their final uh, victory lap right now. And at the same time, the awareness of not just the bad things that are happening, but the awareness that really counts, which is self-awareness, 
you know, the ability to wake up out of our trance is spreading over the world. So it's like a game of chicken. And um, on one level, it could look really hopeless because the the destructive team has covered so many bases and they've got uh, representatives infiltrating all the offices, you know, almost all the offices all over the world, not just presidents and prime ministers worldwide, but also down to the local level, uh, as we've seen in the U.S. school boards, helping with to make the children insane and, you know, get this incredible agenda that they can uh, mutilate their bodies and they become the other gender, real insanity, which, of course, the people who are brainwashed by that, just all they want to do is fight about it instead of calm down and look at it and recognize what it actually is. So that's true. And the military in many countries like the U.S. has been uh, targeted for elimination as any kind of meaningful defense force with the forced uh, injections of the troops. And uh, right now we're in the middle of a intentional shutdown of Western economies, including the U.S. and others, by saying, oh, well, these people are all sick with COVID. Better shut down that industry. I mean, they're not that stupid. Okay, they don't didn't do that for any other diseases, and things went just fine anyway. I mean, for the most part, and now they're just doing it, and the, figuring the people like us are so dumb and so dumbed down and brainwashed that we'll just think, oh, yeah, we're saving the world from COVID, and that's why we have these piles of bodies all over of people who just fall over and die. From, oh, wait a minute, we don't have any of those, and the people in the hospital that the authorities are saying are all unvaccinated the opposite is true they're dying from the injections and the people who are getting the disease that comes from the bioweapon of which there's no evidence at all that it's a virus none and i i don't understand why some of the really smart brave courageous doctors like i've seen on some high profile alternative media lately who understand that the shot is a bioweapon it's meant to kill you it, it doesn't protect you from anything. And, you know, I did decades of research on vaccines in general, and I'm not pro or anti-vaccine as a, you know, religious type, just point of view that I'm going to have no matter what. I wanted to see where are the safe and effective ones that prevent disease. Well, I admit I only looked back as far as Jenner in about 1796, but I couldn't find any solid evidence of preventing disease at all. Uh, just read, uh, watch Sherry Tenpenny's videos to get more detail on that. Read Suzanne Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions. Uh, other ones like that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of references that show the story about polio and smallpox being prevented and eradicated by vaccines is just made up. It was all done by sanitation and hygiene and nutrition before they even started giving the injections so but the new one is way worse and it's 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 caused so many deaths i mean the people who are promoting it i don't know they they're not dumb enough to think that it's not causing these deaths because they know how to look up bears and they know that bears has about a one in a hundred uh statistic of reporting so a hundred people that get killed by an injection, one gets reported to VAERS. And VAERS is admitting 16, 17,000 U.S. people killed by the shot so far. We, about 3,000 
were apparently killed in the 9-11 attack. And this is, uh, if you believe, bears it six times as bad as 9-11 caused by the shots. But that's a one out of a hundred reported. So that's 1.6, 1.7 million dead and way more than that injured. So they're not that dumb to, to not know about it. People have sold out for money and they've sold out to, uh, on levels above that to, um, to serve evil, basically. That's what they're after. So I, I'm already taking too long. I got a bunch of interesting clips I want, really wanted to share with you since we've got this new technology where we can put a clip up and I can comment on it uh, that Doug Diamond uh, put together from StreamYard. So um, anyway, let's see. I'm going to have to skip over most of what I wanted to talk about. I could have spent the whole show on that. But basically, there's two themes I wanted to bring up. And these are both things that I've felt strongly about since the early 1960s. And one of them is health, and the other is the environment. Well, actually, to be honest, health, about 1965 or so, that's not early 60s. And I started work, serious work, as an independent health scientist in 65 after working in my dad's medical lab, going off on my own. Um, but the environment, as a little kid, I was planting trees, I growing organic gardens before there was an organic uh, aspect of the government that hadn't even started yet. And this was before I met Alan Chadwick and got into it more seriously. So I'm a really strong environmentalist, but I've been, in, you know, excommunicated, as I say, by the environmentalists, uh, the ones who think they're progressive and liberal and all that, because I don't just take it as a religion and, and memorize the list of what you're supposed to think if you're an environmentalist and then try to get the pipeline shut down and all block uh, commerce and all this kind of stuff. It's got to be done throwing away the labels and saying just what is true. And we do have the capability to do that. So two things that happen, and I'm not going fast enough to finish. i got to speed up here. Hope you're, don't worry, I can't talk that fast anyway, but I'll try. So two things happening um, this week uh, that I want to show you some clips about that I hope you'll think are interesting and relevant and important. And I hope you'll share all this because we have a lot of resistance to spreading this broadcast. And you could help us if you want to. So the first one, well, the, the two things that I want to focus on. One is there's a big climate conference going on right now. It started on Halloween. I'm sure that was a total coincidence. Uh, the 31st of October, and I think it's going to, what is it, the 12th or something, roughly the 12th of November, the month they're having now. And they're talking about how to use the fear of climate change and global warming to take away all your remaining freedoms, give more money than the whole GDP of the Earth to a client, basically somebody to control uh, world government in the name of climate change. It's pretty, pretty horrible. And remember, I'm a, I'm a strong, lifelong environmentalist. And what's going on with global warming and climate change and the COP26 conference is a complete fraud. And it's a really life-threatening fraud. And it doesn't mean that environmental issues are false. It means that what they're using them for is to destroy life on this planet. So that's one thing. And then um, the other is that they just decided that it would be a really good idea. The government, the FDA, and some of the localities around the U.S. and 
I'm sure it's similar in other places, but in the U.S., they decided this week that giving the injection, the, the, what Zelenko calls, calls the poison death shot, giving it to children 5 to 11 years old would be a really good idea. So I'm just reminding parents, schools and doctors are probably the, some of the biggest dangers to, to your children. And be aware, you know, don't sacrifice them to the modern-day Moloch, which is the medical system. Um, somebody has to just say that out in the open, and there are a lot of people doing that. So just to give you an insight into what these people meeting at the COP26 conference are talking about, and they tell you you shouldn't drive your car very much, and they go there in fleets of cars and private jets. Um, first one, let's hear uh, from Queen Elizabeth, who is just in the process, I think, of abdicating her, her throne and giving it to uh, uh, Prince Charles, I think it is, the her son, basically, the son of, of I think it's her son. I, I Don't quote me on that, okay? I'm sure nobody is listening who would do that. Um, but giving it to Prince Charles, he is the one who would be set to take over. And the word is that talks have already gone on to set him up as the King of England and the United Kingdom. So let's hear Queen Elizabeth talking about her very sincere talks on climate change. And for those of you that are very perceptive, uh, you might want to take a look at her eyes while she's talking, and then we'll be right back. Here's Queen Elizabeth. Thank you, Prime Minister Holness, for your kind words of introduction. I'm delighted to welcome you all to the 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference. And it is perhaps fitting that you have come together in Glasgow, once a heartland of the Industrial Revolution, but now a place to address climate change. This is a duty I'm especially happy to discharge, as the impact of the environment on human progress was a subject close to the heart of my dear late husband, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. I remember well that in 1969, he told an academic gathering, if the world pollution situation is not critical at the moment, it is as certain as anything can be that the situation will become increasingly intolerable within a very short time. If we fail to cope with this challenge, all the other problems will pale into insignificance. It is a source of great pride to me that the leading role my husband played in encouraging people to protect our fragile planet lives on through the work of our eldest son, Charles, and his eldest son, William. I could not be more proud of them. Indeed, I have drawn great comfort and inspiration from the relentless enthusiasm of people of all ages, especially the young, in calling for everyone to play their part. In the coming days, the world has the chance to join in the shared objective of creating a safer, stabler future for our people and for the planet on which we depend. None of us underestimates the challenges ahead, but history has shown that when nations come together in common cause, there is always room for hope. Working side by side, we have the ability to solve the most insurmountable problems and to triumph over the greatest of adversities. 
For more than 70 years, I have been lucky to meet and to know many of the world's great leaders. And I have perhaps come to understand a little about what made them special. It has sometimes been observed that what leaders do for their people today is government and politics. But what they do for the people of tomorrow, that is statesmanship. I, for one, hope that this conference will be one of those rare occasions where everyone will have the chance to rise above the politics of the moment and achieve true statesmanship. It is the hope of many that the legacy of this summit, written in history books yet to be printed, will describe you as the leaders who did not pass up the opportunity and that you answered the call of those future generations that you left this conference as a community of nations with a determination, a desire, and a plan to address the impact of climate change. And to recognize that the time for words has now moved to the time for action. Of course, the benefits of such actions will not be there to enjoy for all of us here today. We none of us will live forever. But we are doing this not for ourselves, but for our children and our children's children and those who will follow in their footsteps. And so I wish you every good fortune in this significant endeavor. Okay, so you heard from the Queen, and apparently I was not mistaken in saying that... Um, Prince Philip was her husband, and, and Charles, who was about to become king, is her son. Um, Prince Philip, she was talking about as a great environmentalist, and he was saying, he's famous for saying, among the people who remember, that he, he didn't know if reincarnation was true. Maybe it is. And if it was, he was thinking, all right, what would I like to reincarnate as? Oh, I know, a deadly virus to wipe out humanity because humans were a plague on the planet. And that was his contribution to environmental attitude. And when you're watching um, Queen Elizabeth, she it's not that she's saying stuff that, that's not solid and, and important. She is. And I think it's, she's, these people are really sophisticated, and it's hard for the average listener to realize, um, you know, there are multi-levels to this. Right under the, the nice exterior of caring about the planet is the attitude of a monster who wants everybody killed. Um, now, there are different levels of that. Only the ones at the very top understand that it's a total extermination plan, 100%. The ones down a few steps below them think that it's a population reduction plan, similar to what's on the Georgia Guidestones. But that's a step, not the goal. And But their motive, the point is that what they're after is not benevolent at all. And she's figuring that nobody knows what Prince Philip really did. He's just this great environmentalist who wanted everybody's children's children's children to be in good shape and happy, you know, ever after. And that you're not supposed to know that he wanted to reincarnate as a virus. And he, he wasn't really that, you know, friendly to everybody's future. Um, and I want to make it clear, I don't hate Prince Philip or Queen Elizabeth or any politician or anybody else anywhere because I see it in kind of an unusual way. 
and this has gotten me kicked out of various groups of thought. Um, Queen Elizabeth, somebody like that, I see her as a primary malevolent agent, but underneath the programming that makes her identify as that is a human being and a spirit exactly the same as ours from the same creator, the same essence and image of God, you might say, on a, a spirit level. So what I would wish for her is not um, suffering and punishment and thrown into hell or whatever. I'd want her to wake up just like I'd want it for all of us. But to, at the same time to recognize strategically that she's a you know, major player in the team that's destroying the world. And as far as, you know, the people who have said, well, the elites have these special life extension technologies and special health uh, technologies and all that. No, they don't, because they would use it if they did. The, the elite look horrible physically, just like what happens to all of us. And they don't have what they are pretending they have. And the reason they can't have it is because you've got to get in tune with nature and spirit in order to really get in touch with that. That's another interesting long story. But just to verify what I'm saying about uh, her late husband, Prince Philip, and his wonderful benevolence in environmentalism, Harrison Smith did a, a really great short piece on that. Let's take a look at that for a minute, and then we'll come right back. Here's something to uh, remember about uh, Prince Philip. Now that he has passed, you know, perhaps, as he believes, he may be reincarnated. And as he stated in an interview in uh, 1998, if he he was going to be reincarnated, he'd like to come back as a uh, disease. (laughs) In the event that I'm reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus to contribute something to solving overpopulation. Uh, here is uh, his royal virus, Prince Philip, in 1984, saying that human populations, it's reaching, it's reaching plague proportions. What do you think are the most serious issues faced by conservationists and World Wildlife Fund over the next 20 years or so? 95% of the whole of the uh, Atlantic rainforest in Brazil has, has disappeared in the last 100 years. There is simply nowhere for these animals to live. At the basis of it all is this colossal increase in the human population. It's one of, of, the, of the living species of the planet, but it's, it's reaching plague proportions. Humanity is a plague. You heard it from his mouth. I love animals. I love the rainforest. I want to see conservation efforts move forward. There's a distinct difference between I love animals, I don't want their homes destroyed, and humanity is a plague, but Prince Philip makes that leap. Here he is talking about what should be done with overpopulation. It's time to read between the lines and pay attention to the subtext of exactly what he's saying here. What do you see as the biggest challenges in in conservation? the, The growing human population. Because if where we are, there's nothing else. And do you have views about what should be done about that? Can't you guess? Uh, well, it could be on a on a spectrum from mass sterilisation to no, no, uh, to no, no, to no, uh, no. you know greater availability of contraception. I don't know. I don't know what your views are as to what can be done about it. Well, I think I think uh, it might be described as voluntary family limitation. Yes, voluntary family limitation. Yes, just just voluntarily limit your family. 
It's fairly simple. You can just limit your family. Has your family been limited yet? Perhaps I will limit your family for you. Every one of these guys. I mean, it's a direct line between these people, people like John Kerry, who, you know, I've got to go, uh, I've got to protect the environment. None of you can drive cars. I'll continue to fly around the world in my private jet to accept accolades for my work saving the environment. But <laughs> it's different for people like me. Oh, you need to limit your family. Your family needs to be limited. I'll continue to have children. I'll continue to destroy the world. I'll continue to act imperialistically in every okay, country on that, earth. That's, that's good. Must... Um, uh, again, I, I don't have any hatred for Prince Philip or anybody like that. That could be us. If we were looking through his eyes and all of his mind programming and his hypnosis and his complete um, belief that he is, you know, meant to be incarnated as a virus and so much carrying so much hatred for humanity, which always means hatred for yourself. He's not in a place of having fun before he left or now. So, no, I, see, we're supposed to be wiser, hopefully, and spreading something different. And hating the bad guys is not the frequency to come from. And I know there's a lot of people who think that's ridiculous. You should hate the bad guys so that you can destroy them and clean up the world for the good guys. And they don't get the subtler point that in order to be a powerful warrior, you don't have to have hatred. Um, it reminds me of, uh, what did Yoda say? Great warrior, war not, war not make one great. You know, the attitude. And self-defense and defense of others is something to protect at, at almost any cost. But not hatred anybody. You don't need that to be strong. And in fact, it's the opposite. But that's Prince Philip. He's having some issues. And anybody that still thinks um, that the elite have these magical health remedies and clean vaccines and life extension technology, um, you didn't see Prince Philip. Look again. He's not made up for a part in a horror movie. That's just how he looks. And that's not something you'd, you wouldn't want to be in that position. So... This is a big conference. It's still going on. COP26, Conference of the Parties, whatever that means, in Glasgow. And our leader, I guess it is, uh, President Joe Biden spoke there. And this is an amazing situation with him barely able to stay coherent. Some of his sentences are slurred and run together and have nonsense words in them. But this is his advice on uh, fighting global warming. And, and by the way, um, again, I can't emphasize too much. If you're not clear that global warming and climate change are a complete hoax, study the work of Don Easterbrook. I, I haven't seen anybody else brave enough to expose the forgery of NOAA and the other climate agencies in putting out data to prove global warming and climate change when it is not happening. And when you look at the data that Don Easterbrook brought up, Dr. Easterbrook, who's been studying climate change for 50 years and is a really amazing guy, although I don't even know if he's on the planet anymore. I can't reach him, uh, which is maybe not a coincidence. He, he just shows the graphs in their unadulterated form. And global warming and global cooling have been going on in cycles with no correlation to CO2 
or the growth of population for millions of years. And he's the only one brave enough to show those graphs that I've seen so far. And yeah, they ruin a lot of agendas, but why do we have to have agendas? Why don't we just have the agenda of finding out what's true? And if it contradicts what we believe, if we believe in science like we say we do, you say, thank you. It's not an ego thing where you say, that can't be true. It's not my position. Who cares about our position? You know, we should care about what's true and be willing to switch on a dime if we're shown that that's the case. So right now, the the leaders, the global leaders, the globalists, um, the ones who are working for the agenda of depopulation and extermination of life, they know that the average good person cares about the environment, cares about the climate, cares about their children, and so they terrify them with the idea that the climate is changing, so we have to give up all of our freedoms, and it's working you know, pretty well on a lot of people, while at the same time we don't see the hypocrisy, and big leaders of the climate change terror like Obama and others, Obama buys a mansion on the ocean. Now wait a minute, the mansion's supposed to be underwater. If he believes that, why would he do that? We really should take a second and notice stuff like that. And if you look at Don Easterbrook's graphs, you'll understand the whole thing. So here's Joe Biden warning the world about climate change and what we can do to stop it. To state the obvious, we we meet with the eyes of history upon us and the profound questions before us. It's simple. Will we act? Will we do what is necessary? Will we seize the enormous opportunity before us? Or we already condemn future generations to suffer. This is the decade that will determine the answer. This decade. The science is clear. We only have a brief window left before us to raise our ambitions and to raise to meet the task that's rapidly narrowing. This is a decisive decade in which we have an opportunity to prove ourselves. We can keep the goal of limiting global warming to just 1.5 degrees Celsius within our reach if we come together. If we commit to doing our part of each of our nations with determination and with ambition, that's what COP26 is all about. Glasgow must be the kickoff of a decade decade of ambition and innovation to preserve our shared future. Climate change is already ravaging the world. We've heard from many speakers. It's not hypothetical. It's not a hypothetical threat. It's destroying people's lives and livelihoods and doing it every single day. It's costing our nations trillions of dollars. Record heat and drought, fueling more widespread and more intense wildfires in some places and crop failures in others. Record flooding. And what used to be a once in a century storms are now happening every few years. In the past few months, the United States has experienced all of this, and every region of the world can tell similar stories. And in an age where this pandemic is made so painfully clear that no nation can wall itself off from borderless threats, we know that none of us can escape the worst that's yet to come if we fail to seize this moment. 
But ladies and gentlemen, within the growing catastrophe, I believe there's an incredible opportunity. Not just for the United States, but for all of us. We're standing at an inflection point in world history. We have the ability to invest in ourselves and build an equitable, clean energy future, and in the process, create millions of good-paying jobs and opportunities around the world. Cleaner air for our children, more bountiful oceans, healthier forests and ecosystems for our planet. We can create an environment that raises the standard of living around the world. And this is a moral imperative, but it's also an economic imperative. If we fuel greater growth, new jobs, better opportunities for all our people, and as we see current volatility in energy prices rather than cast it as a reason to back off our clean energy goals, we must view it as a call to action. High energy prices only, only reinforce the urgent need to diversify, diversify sources, double down on clean energy development, and adapt promising new clean energy technologies so we can not only oh, 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 we don't remain overly reliant on one source of power to power our economies and our communities. Okay, let's, let's it's pause It's in the self-interest of every single... Um, I would play the rest, but our time is rapidly running out here. Um, there's almost everything that Biden is reading off of whatever teleprompter he's got there. Uh, when he can pronounce the words correctly. And I don't hate Biden. I think he should be in a really healing environment to try to get over his deteriorating physical condition. But he's being used as a mouthpiece for very serious uh, rulers who are not demented at all. And they know exactly what they're doing. Almost everything they've given him to say is a complete lie. He says the science is clear, and the science is clear, but it doesn't say at all what he's saying. You know, the... Weather extremes are not getting worse and worse and worse. It's just that the government agencies are, and the UN agencies are saying that to promote the agenda of enslavement. And that's going along quicker and quicker. And he says climate change is ravaging the world. Uh, Easterbrook again shows in his talk in 2013. It's a really good example, but I think he has others on the net too that climate change is at extremes going back as far as you can check. And the geological record and other sources prove that. But even if it was happening, even if there was a correlation between CO2 and climate change, which there is not, Mike Adams has also put up some great graphs documenting that there is no correlation. You have to put up the graph of the longer time period, and then it becomes really obvious. Even if there was, there hasn't been a need for... Uh, petroleum-based energies and the technologies associated with it for at least 100 years. And Dr. Stephen Greer has done a lot of great work with that. I really recommend his uh, talks, which are still on YouTube, because I guess they figure nobody will really notice what could be inferred from that that's important education. And he's explained in detail how technologies way beyond solar and wind, zero-point energies and others have been available and perfected and reverse-engineered for a long time. And the only reason they're not in common use now, which would have wiped out the oil industry and uh, made nuclear power irrelevant, 
Uh, nuclear power should never have been used in the first place. It's way too dangerous and has done massive damage, but it's not necessary, nor is petroleum. But these technologies that are so far in advance, the people that could have promoted them have been killed or are in hiding, not wishing to be killed. That's the issue, not the need to search for more uh, technologies that we don't know about. They are known. And uh, cars and other machines that, that transport you on based on internal combustion engines, those have been shown to run on pure water. Stanley Meyer demonstrated that. His name is still searchable on the Internet. And uh, he perfected the uh, tearing apart of water into hydrogen and oxygen, the oxygen part being a byproduct which just goes into the air, and the hydrogen part more explosive than gasoline becoming the fuel dripped into the tank or into the uh, intake uh, as needed. So the car doesn't have to drive around as a, as a moving bomb, you know, with a tank of hydrogen, which would be very dangerous. But Stanley Meyer proved that, and he wanted to sell the technology, and the, he patented it, which was not a good move, and wanted trillions of dollars. And so he was contacted by government agents, and they said, oh, you figured this out, we'll have to make you rich and buy your patent. And he said, well, I know you guys, I'll have to meet you in a public place because I don't trust you. And they said, rats, you know, or essentially, rats, you figured us out, okay, we'll meet you in a restaurant. They met him him in a restaurant and killed him and took all of the documents from him and the people who bought the rest of it from his family. So the problem is not technology, and the climate change people don't need to be Protesting for that, it's already available. The problem is the people in charge are making sure that it doesn't get out. Now, um, the next little clip, and, and we have to race through because I'm way behind here. I'm sorry. I should shut up faster. But uh, you heard of this girl named Greta Thunberg, and I think she's an incredible victim as a young person who's being given a script and told to be very angry about what she presents And she's unknowingly, I think unknowingly, I don't think she's evil. I think she's unknowingly promoting the agenda of the killers of humanity. And this is her speech after COP26 saying, basically, that it's a failure because the restrictions on humanity should be much quicker and much more complete. And we'll just do a couple minutes of hers and then race through the rest. So here's Greta. It is not a secret that COP26... It's a failure. It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. And more and more people are starting to realize this. Many are starting to ask themselves, what will it take for the people in power to wake up? But let's be clear, they are already awake. They know exactly what they are doing. This is no longer a climate conference. This is now a Global North Greenwash Festival. A two-week-long celebration of business as usual and blah, blah, blah. The most affected people in the most affected areas still remain unheard. And the voices of... Future generations are drowning in their greenwash and empty words and promises. But the facts do not lie, and we know that our emperors are naked. 
to stay below the target set in the Paris Agreement and thereby minimizing the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control, we need immediate, drastic, annual emission cuts unlike anything the world has ever seen. Okay, and that's as we good. don't have um, So basically she's arguing to shut down society and cause millions of starvation deaths. And she probably really believes that humanity is in danger from this evil CO2. But as has been pointed out, it's almost nothing in the environment. Something like 0.04% of the gases in the environment. And it's been far higher. And the world was not being destroyed. And the people who are pushing the terror of it are buying mansions at the beach. So they're... There's enough if we're not totally brainwashed and brain dead to realize that this is an agenda to shut down society, which is happening already under the guise of COVID, which we'll get to in a minute. And it's a consciousness test for humanity. And Greta, I think, is, is trying to do what she thinks is right, but she's clearly serving the tyrants and should be very happy that you know, goods aren't being delivered, so supply chains are shutting down, not for climate, but for the insane response to this so-called COVID pandemic, which is all based on fraud. So I think Greta's a victim, and she needs to be rescued by somebody. At the same time, they're offering prizes to young people like high school students, uh, kids that really want to help save the world, which is a good idea. There are things to save it from, definitely. And... Um, this is an example. We can't. We don't have time for the whole clip, but this brilliantly uh, spoken girl from India. I think she's a high school student who was one of the finalists to win the prize, a whole lot of money for a uh, environmental uh, innovation, which she came up with. She and friends, and she's clearly believing this nonsense that we're all threatened by CO2 and we have to save ourselves. By the way, you know what they put in greenhouses when you want the plants to grow better? CO2. And in the long past, when it was much higher, the growth was much more luxuriant, which meant more oxygen and uh, things were generally better. So let's hear just a little bit of Venetia, uh, what's her last name? Uma Shankar, uh, Earthshot finalist or winner in... Uh, the conference speaking from India. Here she is. For the next two weeks of COP26, we will speak about our future. Deadlines, milestones, hopes, and fears. I, however, am not here to speak about the future. I am the future. In 2030, by when we must halve our carbon emissions, I'll be just 24 years old. By 2050, when we will assess whether net zero has been achieved or not, I'll be in my early 40s. And by 2100, hopefully still going strong at 94. The point is that... The point is that me and my generation will live to see the consequences of our actions today. Yet none of what we discussed today seems practical to me. You are deciding whether or not we will have a chance to live in a habitable world. You are deciding whether or not we are worth fighting for, worth supporting, and worth caring. 
Many of my generation are angry and frustrated at leaders who have made empty promises and failed to deliver. And we have every reason to be angry. But I have no time for anger. I want to act. I am not just a girl from India. I am a girl from Earth, and I am proud to be so. I am also a student, innovator, environmentalist, and entrepreneur. But most importantly, I am an optimist. Today I ask, with all due respect, that we stop talking and start doing. We, the Earthshot Prize winners and finalists, need you to back our innovations, projects, and solutions, not an economy built on fossil fuels, smoke, and pollution. Okay, that's we good. We need to stop. Um, I think she's great and has the right attitude. And there are lots of kids like that. There are lots of adults like that who are kids that just got bigger, who have, you know, very sincere motives. And they're being given the wrong information. Because I agree with them completely that the environment needs to be cleaned up. One of the reasons I've been um, excommunicated from some of the conservative groups is that they think that all the environmental uh, movement, or not movement, but concerns are nonsense. And that's totally untrue. Um, they think they make fun of the plastic bag crisis and, uh, you know, all kinds of other things that they say are, are blown way out of proportion. That's not true. Um, plastic all over the environment that's not going to break down for a long time is really serious and it is destroying parts of ocean life. And th- there are all kinds of serious issues like that. Everything in technology and products that we use could be designed to be totally recyclable 100%. It's not beyond the innovation capacity of humans. Um, a lot of that technology probably exists already, and I know friends, for example, that have come up with incredible innovations for cleaning up air pollution and water pollution and ocean pollution, and they've been visited by government agency representatives that said... Um, just to let you know, you're not going to promote this technology. If you have any other ideas, check with us first. Most people have no idea of our, who our real rulers are. They're not the presidents and prime ministers and government agents and people like that. They're not so visible. And they're the threat. Not, not so much them, but the programming that they're working in obedience to and where their orders are coming from. At the higher levels, it's not about money. They motivate their servants with the money concerns, the corporate CEOs and people like that, because they'll they'll sell themselves out in a second for money. But money is not where this is all coming from. So there are a lot of good kids like Venetia, and um, they just need a little bit of real education. And that's why the global rulers have taken over education and twisted it to make the kids think that shutting down all carbon is the way to save the world. It's complete suicide on a global scale. The other issue, since we're just about out of time, is that this week, another big development is that our health agencies, whose job is to protect us from uh, anything that would be dangerous or against our health, especially from the medical industry, has decided that it's a really good idea to authorize uh, what Dr. Zelenko calls the poison death shot for good reason for five-year-olds and up to 11. 
who have been spared so far. And some of the parents are so brainwashed, they're actually voluntarily bringing their five-year-olds to be injected. I think uh, San Francisco turned out to be the first city in the world that is implementing basically a vaccine passport for five to 11-year-olds and everybody older than that too, which is already happening. So Stu Peters did a great uh, clip on it with his guest, Dr. Jane Ruby. The, Stu Peters is doing a lot of fantastic work. I recommend his shows to anybody that's interested. Um, so let's hear at least the beginning of it and talking about the uh, rollout of shots for little kids and the parents. You're supposed to be protecting your kids from this nonsense. Why are you still letting them go to school? You need to shake yourself out of the trance. Here's Stu Peters. And as we always do with our daily dispatch. All right. Here it is, folks. Your daily dispatch for Thursday, November 4th, 2021. We got San the Francisco clip. becomes the first city I in think. the world to mandate COVID injections for children's oh, age not. five okay. to 11. First city in the world here in the land of freedom, here the home of the brave. We are the first in the world to mandate vaccines for 5- to 11-year-olds just a day after the Center for Disease Control and Prevention gave emergency use authorization to the COVID-19 injection to children 5-11. to 11. The San Francisco government has immediately moved to mandate it for all children in the Bay Area. San Francisco Department of uh, Public Health announced during a town hall on Tuesday that vaccine passport requirements already imposed on the city will be expanded to include children 5 to 11 years old, saying, quote, we definitely want to wait and make sure that children have an opportunity to get vaccinated. So that will happen no sooner than about eight weeks after the vaccine is available to kids. Of course, when they say they want to wait to give people the opportunity, what they mean is they're demanding it. It's it's mandatory. It's an opportunity not to be excluded from public life because you refuse to get an experimental shot. The good news is this is probably not the worst thing children in San Francisco are routinely exposed to. This is a step beyond the already insane vaccine mandates Governor Gavin Newsom imposed on all eligible students in the state. Newsom's office indicated that once young children become eligible for the jab, the mandate will also apply to them. And of course, we know that Pfizer is very excited about getting this uh, vaccine approved for four to you know two to four year olds now. So soon it'll be mandated basically as soon as you're out of the womb to be injected with this experimental shot. Now, I'm very concerned about this, obviously, for a number of reasons. But one thing we know is that adverse effects to the uh, vaccine are more likely the younger you are, right? We know that to be true. And of course, we've covered how Pfizer's changed the vaccine concoction a little bit to add another dangerous chemical to it to undo some of the other dangerous chemicals that are in it. Sort of a you know woman who swallowed a spider situation that we're dealing with but also the vaccine rollout thus far has been a slow piece by piece incremental type of rollout so what we're going to experience over the next couple of months is a mass rollout of millions of doses being delivered to the most vulnerable to severe adverse reactions and we may be looking for looking forward to um, well plenty of proof that we were right all along 
This comes, of course, after Big Pharma whistleblower recently revealed that Pfizer falsified data, broke fundamental rules, and were slow to report adverse reactions in its limited trial vaccine uh, vaccine trials in Texas. And we'll cover that story later in the program. It's also notable that the FDA approved emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine for children 5 to 11 years old, despite the fact that its Pfizer-connected advisory committee knew of serious adverse events reported in the clinical trial for children, but went ahead and recommended it anyway. And of course, you know the famous video where they say, well, we got we to gotta just inject people with it, and then we'll figure out you know, what the deal is it is. Yeah, well, we don't really know how it's going to go. We also know that it's totally not necessary for children to have this, but we are going to mandate millions upon millions of kids take it right away. It's going to be a bloodbath, folks, and uh, it's really not going to be pretty. And, of course, we'll cover all of uh, what I just discussed. We'll show you the videos of uh, the FDA actually admitting that there's more myocarditis than vaccine than people going to the hospital for covid meaning the vaccine is actually worse than the disease but they're fine with that and they're going to go ahead with it anyway because of the societal implications they say it's incredibly absurd we're being run by psychopaths with poison needles it's really incredible and this story really just doubles down on it again from infowars.com school blocks parents from attending vaccine drive for five-year-olds a school in hawaii announced an upcoming vaccine drive for elementary school students, but told parents they're not welcome. The bizarre request appeared in a letter to parents from the Kalihi Kai Elementary School in Honolulu. The school says they're scheduling two different vaccine clinics, and the FDA was poised uh, as the FDA was poised to approve the vaccine. Say, quote, tentatively, the vaccine clinic will take place on November 10th and. December 1st, as the Pfizer vaccine requires two doses. The vaccine will take place, the clinic will take place on campus during the school day, the letter states, before adding that parents will not be allowed on campus during the clinic. Now, it might upset parents to see their children convulsing, you know, uh, uh, on the floor, having strokes. That might be a little bit upsetting. They might not want to let their kid have it later. Now, somebody on Twitter sent me this, and this appears to be an article from... Uh, the WHO from the World Health Organization, common approaches for obtaining consent for vaccination. You can get formal written consent. You can get verbal consent. But there's also the implied consent process where they say an implied com- consent process by which parents are informed of imminent vaccination through social mobilization and communication, sometimes including letters directly addressed to the parents. Subsequently, the physical presence of the child or adolescent with or without accompanying parent at the vaccination session is considered to imply consent. This practice is based on the opt-out principle and parents do not, who do not consent to vaccination are expected implicitly to take steps to ensure their child or adolescent does not participate in the vaccination session. This may include not letting the child or adolescent attend school on vaccination day if the vaccine delivery occurs through schools. So in other words, now that they've alerted parents to the fact that they will be vaccinating children in school, even if children, even if parents don't want their children to get the vaccine, if they send them to school that day, it will be considered implied consent. Okay, that's according good. to the World Health Organization. Um, sorry, that wasn't Stu Peters. I do know the difference, and uh, Stu Peters does wonderful work, but so does Harrison Smith, and that was Harrison Smith, and you can see him and the other hosts on the same show at the Ron Gibson channel on Brideon and also on BitChute, which are both great. And they're not censored. Um, 
But the basic message is the same. The parents that are handing over their little kids to these schools, public and most of the private ones, are basically subjecting their kids to potential murder. And this is not a good idea to do it just for convenience because you don't have time to do something else. Find out about homeschooling. Uh, Alex Newman is involved in that. We've got some good videos from him posted on lostartsradio.com or you can look him up yourself. Um, uh, Peggy Hall is working on a great project called Freedom Education and her site is thehealthyamerican.org. Uh, this is worth putting a little time into for the sake of your child's life. Doctors and schools, uh, which should be protecting the kids, have become the biggest threats, some of the biggest threats to the lives of the kids, for sure. So mothers and fathers um, are supposed to be protecting the kids to, from all dangers, including those. And then um, since we're out of time and I've, I've gone over, um, the other thing that I want to uh, put up here is remember Prince Charles is set to take over from Queen Elizabeth. And there was a question in a lot of people's minds, what is he likely to do? Um, the son of Prince Philip who wanted to come back as a virus. Um, what's Prince Charles' attitude about what needs to happen for mankind? And he was at COP26 uh, and gave the following statement. So we have time for a couple minutes of that. Let's, let's say here, uh, Prince Charles. <laughs> of the whole of the uh, Atlantic rainforest in Brazil has has disappeared in the last hundred years. There is simply nowhere for these animals to live. At the basis of it all is this colossal increase in the human population. It's one of of the, of the living species of the planet, but it's, it's reaching plague proportions. Global warming, climate change, and the devastating loss of biodiversity are the greatest threats humanity has ever faced, and one largely of our own creation. Now, I have dedicated uh, much of my life to the restoration of harmony between humanity, nature, and the environment and to the encouragement of corporate, social, and environmental responsibility. Quite frankly, it has been a bit of an uphill struggle. But now, it is time to take it to the next level. Like his father, Prince Philip, Charles speaks authoritatively about the current status of Earth's environment. However, these interests in ecological health seem more political than genuinely green-minded, motivated by power and profit rather than stopping pollution to save the environments of plants and animals. What we're trying to do is to, through the Sustainable Markets Council, which has been set up with the help of the World Economic Forum, is to try and build the bridge that's necessary between the investors and the projects. There are some very interesting technologies out there, in fact many more than we think, that are undercapitalized, which could be applied with the right kind of investment, having created the right kind of investment model, and uh, require a lot more people to come together, which is what we're trying desperately to do. At the opening ceremony of COP26 in Glasgow, Scotland, Charles joined in on the politicized climate hysteria. So, ladies and gentlemen, my plea today is for countries to come together to create the environment that enables every sector of industry to take the action required. We know this will take 
trillions, not billions of dollars. We also know that countries, many of whom are burdened by growing levels of debt, simply cannot afford to go green. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. Okay, With trillions... Um, I'd, I'd like to play the rest of that, but we don't have time. That's a, a great clip from Brian Wilson. So thank you to him for that. And um, the basic idea is that they want us to believe that to save the environment, to clean things up, requires giving the global le- global rulers uh, trillions of dollars more than they're taking already and basically bankrupting all of the population, which is already being done. Um, when that's really not necessary. They don't need trillions of dollars. Uh, the free market within the constraints of ethical business uh, just needs to be set free and take the yoke of the central banks off the people because they're involved in destroying economies all over the world right now. Uh, in the U.S., they've taken away the buying power, nine, about 99% of the buying power of the U.S. dollar since 1913 when the Federal Reserve started. Removing things like that, removing the the unconstitutional actions of the government to shut down the economy with the excuse of COVID, which is completely illegal, immoral, uh, and breaks all kinds of uh, elements of the Constitution. Uh, just to stop doing things things like that, stop assassinating the the developers of clean technology, which already have it ready to go. Um, you know, basically stop the program to destroy humanity and all of these things will be accomplished without any trillions of dollars. And it's, in, you know, with farming, for example, stop promoting farming with poisons. That's the most ridiculous idea that you can imagine. The fact that we go along with it is a great tribute to the negative effect of so-called education because the idea of poisoning the soil and then poisoning the plants and then eating them it doesn't indicate real high intelligence on our part and the farmers that go along with it. Partly they're under understandable pressure from uh, economics and wanting to survive, which is quite legitimate. But the people who consume anything but, you know, beyond organic produce, they don't realize, most of them, that they're eating inedible food. When you, when you use strong poisonous chemicals on the soil and then you grow food like that and then you wonder why everybody's incredibly sick besides the fact that they're all swallowing poison that are being called medicine and being injected with more poison supposedly to prevent disease. This is like if we had any common sense left, none of us would ever fall for that kind of stuff. And we need a, a new kind of a renaissance, which means a rebirth of normal, which we don't even remember what normal is, normal civilization, you know, freedom within the constraints of people respecting each other. You're not free to set up a company that poisons the whole world like Monsanto or some of the the numerous other ones that um, people think are great companies because they're big and they have a great image on TV. If they're doing incredible damage, that's not a legitimate freedom. And government should not be in the position of supporting those companies. They shouldn't be allowed to function. But within, you know, setting up business and uh, profit enterprises to serve humanity, if those are set free, then the problems that these guys are talking about would just fade out. 
they don't need to be given trillions of dollars. So there's obviously much more that we could go into. But what I'm saying is that, yeah, there's serious issues, you know, because there's a concerted, coordinated, globally orchestrated program to assault humanity and all life on Earth, and it's well underway. And if we're too emotionally unstable to look at it, or too programmed that it can't exist, or that there's no such thing as conspiracies except for bank robbers, um, we're basically following a suicidal path, and we don't need to do that. The hypnosis is supposed to make us think that that's our only choice, but it's not. We have dormant power because of our connection to spirit, to God, to where we came from. And if we get the programming out of the way, that flows through us in the form of courage, innovation, uh, creativity, more than what we need to renew life on this planet. There are not too many people to get along at a very high level of sustaining. Uh, sustainability in its real sense is a legitimate uh, concept completely. And that's why you produce things that are recyclable in the true sense and human and life friendly. You don't run cell phones on weaponized frequencies. You don't have smart meters running on frequencies that hurt even plant life. And they know that people working for those corporations don't know for the, for the most part, but the people at the top of the corporations know it and they're selling out humanity for money. So it's a change in consciousness. And I, that, you know, looking at all the possible ways to reverse the catastrophic intention of the rulers, we need to do all these things under the realm of uh, coordinated non, mass noncompliance. That's true. But what makes that possible is the consciousness change. So that that's the foundation of all the rest. If we have zombie consciousness, or we're lazy intellectually and we won't think about these things, or we're too scared to look at whatever is true, or too much defending a label of any kind, right or left or Democrat or Republican, and that's all nonsense compared to the real issues. And it, there shouldn't be any ego involved in it at all. If we get corrected and shown that we made a mistake, that's great because we can get closer to what's true. So it's an attitude and a consciousness change, and that has potential in it beyond anything that most of us imagine. So I'm suggesting that we move on that right away. They don't need trillions of dollars. We just need to wake up to who we are, and there are ways to do that, and we can start now. So however you see is the best way for you to do it yourself, even starting with getting your own health back, uh, get yourself in good shape. Stop eating garbage. Uh, don't eat GMO anything. You know, don't have blind trust in authorities. Don't let the doctors put poison in your body if there's something better for you to do, which there is. Um, use your time better. Start learning right now. Change yourself instead of trying to, you know, convince everybody else to change. And the influence you'll have on the world is incredible, unlimited, open-ended. And I'm just suggesting we all start now. We started Planetary Healing Club specifically for that, working on the consciousness and uh, spirit base, as well as the forbidden health information on the physical level, environmental things, anything important to bring back uh, normal life on this planet. So if you want to join us there, you're welcome. Uh, PlanetaryHealingClub.com is the access point. But otherwise, you're welcome to do it in whatever group you feel comfortable in or by yourself. But start now. Don't go on 
you know, criticize business as usual among the global elites. What about business as usual for us, you know, for you, for me? The challenge is to look at ourselves and see what needs to be upgraded and do it now. Um, so anyway, stay in touch with us at, at uh, lostartsradio.com. It'll show when, where we're still on the air. Help us spread the links because there's a lot of resistance to telling the truth, as you probably know. And if you have the resources and want to help us survive and keep working financially on the air, uh, there's a donation link at lostartsradio.com and also a subscribe star link that you see on the screen. Either one of those works great or both. Um, whatever you can do and tell the truth and be brave and start on yourself. You know, like Michael Jackson's song, start with the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror or the child in the mirror yourself and I'll do the same thing. We'll do it together and we'll meet you here next time. By the way, um, Planetary Healing Club meets in 14 minutes, so I got to go get ready for that. That's live every week on Saturdays, planetaryhealingclub.com and um the Sunday show is tomorrow, guest show, and those are incredible. We've got one of the top doctors in the world who's brave enough to speak out uh, about what's really happening, risking her own life to do it, Dr. Christian Northrup. Join us there tomorrow, Sunday. On some platforms, it's already up on the air. Stay in touch at lostartsradio.com, and you're greatly appreciated. I think you're the key to the future, so take care of yourself, please, as the number one thing to do that helps everybody. And we'll meet you here next time. Have a good night. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. 
Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.